Welcome to DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you. Greg, how you doing today? I am doing wonderful, Russ. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's it, it it's a little warm in here, so if you if you, you might actually hear me sweating uh, on this episode, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that a works little, out. But yeah. I, I think we're gonna have to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I am really excited about uh, today's show just because so many of our business owners out there, you know, they they work on certain skills, they work on different parts of their business, and sometimes this topic of leadership they don't really focus a lot of their time on. You know, they're worried about the sales or the marketing or the accounting. And sometimes they forget, like, I need to be a good leader of my of my organization. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, a lot of the my managers or workers are, you know, they're not, they're looking at me right. for that leadership. Mm-hmm. And luckily, luckily, tonight we have an expert when it comes to leadership, John S. Rennie. John is a co-founder and CEO of Peak Demand Incorporated, a manufacturer of components for electrical utilities. He's also a, um, gosh, an author of two different books on leadership. And he kind of started that whole core of where he got that leadership skills and where he grew it as a, an officer on a on the, in the Navy on a submarine. Oh, wow. So, John, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hey, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I can't wait to kind of jump in. It's like, so at what point when you were on that submarine, did you realize I'm learning some leadership skills here that I'm going to be able to carry forward for the rest of my life? And at some point you probably go, oh, I'm going to be able to carry forward into the, you know, into the business life. You know, uh, it, it was a really good place to learn leadership, um, being on a submarine at sea, being deployed, and um, uh, because it's a really unique environment. So you had 155 guys. In this case, there was no women on submarines yet, but there would be 155 of us that would go out to sea for three months, and you'd spend time together, and you were a leader 24-7, right? You couldn't go home at the end of the day. Uh, if you had a long day, you couldn't take the weekend <laughs> off. Uh, you couldn't look forward to just relaxing with your family. It was 24-7 for three months straight. And I did that seven different times. So I spent two years of my life under the ocean leading uh, men in wow. these very uh, dangerous kind of operations that we did. And so, yeah, I didn't realize at the time, I didn't realize I was learning some really valuable leadership skills that were really unique. But later on in life, as I've been doing it for many years, probably the last 10 years, I realized, wow, my experience was really unique because it wasn't just a military experience. It was a military experience locked in a metal tube for <laughs> three months with with people uh, that from all over the country, from all different backgrounds. And we had to work together towards a team to accomplish a mission. And so it was a really unique place to learn leadership. That sounds like, you know, the thing is, like, as you're talking, I'm thinking there have been times (laughs) where you you sort of like, you, you sort of feel like you're stuck, right? You're stuck in this job or you're stuck at this place. And, you know, you're the leader and you're, you're, you're stuck with these people. And, it, you know, like you can either take that as an advantage thing and start to learn more about them and do, you know, mm-hmm. like adapt or you could just go with that stuck feeling. And I'm sure that there's some like entrepreneurs that are running their business that sort of feel like ah, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in this, you know. So I guess 
talk about that just being like with this group, the same group of people. What did that exactly like teach you uh, for, for leadership for later? Yeah, you know, I wrote a chapter in my latest book. It's called No Escape. And we had no escape from uh, a challenging colleague that you might have, no escape from um, maybe an, uh, an employee, in our case, a sailor that might mm -hmm. be uh, problematic, right? So um, what we learned to do is to get along with people that we necessarily had differences with, but also get the most out of the team that we were given, right? So there was no chance of replacing an employee if we had a problem with an employee. So for example, I tell the story in the book where I had a sailor that was every time he got bored, he would get in trouble. Right. So he was, <laughs> he, was he was full of mischief. And uh, uh, like, for example, one of the things he did, we every Saturday we had field day where we cleaned the, the, the boat, you know, of stem to stern. And so each each department head had a certain area of the boat we were responsible for cleaning. And uh, this particular sailor loved to hide. And so every Saturday I spent <laughs> trying to find him. Uh, <laughs> Petty Officer McKinley. I think and, we and all have funny. employees that like to hide too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so, but one of the things I realized is that um, he would get into trouble when he got bored. And so one of the things I had to do as a leader was find ways to challenge him so he wasn't bored. He wouldn't get into trouble. And so one of the things I realized, he was one of my best troubleshooters, one of my base, best maintenance men. So I always put him on the toughest maintenance projects. And the other thing is he was my best reactor operator. So I was running the reactor controls department at the time. He was my best reactor operator. So I basically um, had him train all the new junior, uh, junior reactor operators who are coming on the boat. So I got him involved with training. I got him on, involved with tough maintenance. And he became my, my best sailor. But it was this idea, instead of taking a, a problematic employee and making it, um, oh, and just being frustrated or letting him go or putting him on double secret probation or whatever, it's like, how do you, how do you f uh, make that puzzle piece fit in your organization better, yeah. right? And so that's what I had to do is find a way to uh, get the best, get the most out of this sailor. Uh, cause there was no replacing them. There's no getting a new one. This is, this is what I had to deal with. So I think we, you know, I learned to get along with the, 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 the tools I was given. I think that's a really good important tool, especially as an entrepreneur, because you have very limited resources. How can you get the most out of the limited resources that you have in your organization? So whether it's people or money or, uh, you know, what have you, mar marketing dollars or whatever, but how do you get the most out of uh, just the, the few resources that you have? And that's something I learned in, in the Navy. Yeah, and I think one of the other things that I've heard you say before is, you know, like you are kind of forced into a situation where you're, you're, you have the same group of people. And, you know, the human race, there's so many different personality types. Yeah. And you're dealing with all these personality types and you can't, you know, get out of that situation. And I just find that some leaders, and maybe I'm going to classify them not as good leaders, because they, they, it's, it's kind of like my way or the highway. You're like, mm -hmm. I, I don't have to adapt. You have to adapt to me. Mm -hmm. But I've heard you say that you learned the skill of how to kind of get along with all the different types of personalities. And you felt that was a real um, advantage to your leadership skills. Yeah. I mean, especially too, is, is coming into entrepreneurship, right? So, um, you know, I say this a lot is that people are messy, right? I mean, everybody kind of brings all this baggage to work, right? So they have, they have, they have challenges with their family. They have uh, problems at home. They have, um, uh, quirks and hangups. Uh, one of the things you've seen lately with COVID, everybody has a different feeling about COVID and a different feeling about, uh, uh, getting, you know, uh, vaccines and what have you different political ideologies, different different religious backgrounds, right? So they come, they bring all this to work with them. 
And so, uh, you know, what I, when I say people are messy, but p- people are also amazing, right? If you get them, if you can figure out their passion and what drives them, what excites them and what, what, you know, and then you can plug that into a place that you need in your business. And if you can align those two things, which is the needs of the business and the needs of the employee, man, it's like, <laughs> as a leader, you just get out of the way, right? Cause it's magic yeah. when that happens. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a valuable thing to learn is trying to plug people into the right spot and get the most out of them. And, and, and it's for them too. They grow, they develop, they're excited, they're, they're, they're motivated and they're achieving the objectives in the business as well. So if you can figure out how to do those two things, bring them together, man, it's, it's, um, as a leader, your job's easy, right? You get out of the way when, when they find their passions and they're really engaged and excited about what they do. So, uh, and again, you know, I, I'm, I'm fat. I want to ask you just questions about the, uh, the submarine. Cause I've always yeah. wanted to, <laughs> but I, I, I'll avoid it. I'll, I'll stick with leadership. Um, <laughs> no, 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 seriously. That's, I mean, how many times do you meet submariners? This is why I, know, I don't exactly. mind. I, 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 I have a lot of, I'm on, I'm on a lot of podcasts and they just geek out about submarine stuff. And I, I'm a, I love that too. Cause I was a total geek too. So I absolutely loved it. Nice. So, nice. Yeah. I know I've got a friend that was in the coast guard and, uh, talking to him about all the various ships and all the stuff that he's been on. It's like, Oh, this is, this is so much fun to, <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. We'll, we'll, we'll stick with leadership cause I've got a lot of, I, I okay. want to talk a lot about that too, though. Um, so, okay. You've, uh, you, you've got this group of people that are, you know, all these different backgrounds. And as you mentioned, you know, you're trying to learn about them. What were the, and, and I mean, you know, you could say the secret was getting stuck in the same small compact space <laughs> with them for three months, but what, what is the secret to really getting to know your employees so that you can figure out what they're good at? You know, I, I would say this is, is you got to care. I mean, you just got to care, right? I mean, uh, Sure. We were locked in a metal tube for months at a time. We stood watches together. So so officers, senior enlisted, junior enlisted, we stood these six-hour watches together. And I knew everything about my uh, the sailors that worked for me. I knew you know, how many times they, they've been married. I know their, their ex-girlfriend's names, their favorite food, uh, why, why they liked a certain salad dressing. I mean, just everything. Because we got bored. I mean, we were, we were making holes in the ocean for three months at a time, right? So, <laughs> so we got to know each other. But the thing is, like, I developed a love for people during that time. I just love how interesting people are and how they look at things and and just everybody, their unique uh, their unique view on the world and their unique contributions to the team. And so I just kind of took that into corporate life. And I just got to know people and just loved getting to know people and getting to know what makes them tick, what what gets them excited, what their dreams and passions are. And it's always been something I've always loved. I say leadership is a people business. I really do believe it is, right? It's the same thing in a family, right? Uh, you want to have a relationship with your spouse. When it means you got to spend time with them and get to know, you know, what they love, what they hate, you know, uh, same thing with your kids. You get to know your children. It's the same exact thing. It's just coming into work and actually caring and giving a darn, right? Giving, mm-hmm. Caring about your people, caring, making sure that, you know, from a safety standpoint, they go home safe, right? And from a from emotional safety too, they go home feeling like they 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 are um, they're an integral part of the organization. They feel like they're contributing to the success of the business. When they feel that way, that they're doing worthwhile work and it's adding value to the organization, and they're a valued member of the team, you know, they they go home with a certain sense of pride that they're doing something good for for an organization that they believe in. 
you know, uh, I think it's just something that, um, I don't know, maybe it was natural to me uh, being, you know, or, or I was sort of forced into that in the submarines. And I just sort of became natural once I left the submarine. And, you know, the other thing, you know, you're, you're running a nuclear sub, right? I mean, <laughs> you have actual, <laughs> like, you know, real world risk of, you know, yeah. doing some damage. There's yeah. that pressure of, of, of all that. How do you, how do you keep everybody kind of, you know, calm and comfortable in those difficult situations? Well, I think that's a really good, that's a really good question because it was, it was about, um, it was about constant training. It was about constantly, um, you know, uh, I always say that the captain pressure tested us, right? So he would always put put us in the heart, in the most toughest scenarios during training, such that when the real thing happened, it was like no big deal. Like, I mean, we give you an example. So, um, Fire is a big deal on a submarine, right? Mm-hmm. If a fire, if a if if a fire starts in a submarine, it can quickly spread to weapons, uh, volatile materials. Uh, the smoke is deadly, and it'll kill sailors quickly, right? So we were taught to run towards the fire, not away from the fire, and that's just we did it so often. We ran fire drills so often that. Like I even write about it in the book that I, I, you know, it's, I just smiled when I have a drill because I knew exactly what to do. All my people knew what to do. And it was almost like, um, muscle memory whenever anything happened. So we did this over and over and over again. So when the real things happen, we just did what we normally did. And then, oh, wow, (laughs) you know, there's something serious happened. (laughs) This is not a drill, you know? So it became, it became, uh, we, we became trained in it because we kept, you know, we have repetitive, uh, drilling and training. Yeah. Like like you would have like a football uh, team practicing plays yeah. would become natural. So it wasn't there wasn't the stress of oh we got to make this uh, third down right? right? No, we we do this. This is just we do it in practice. We do it in the game. It's the same thing that on the submarine. We drilled constantly, and I think that made it easier for us. I kind of want to uh, follow up on that, but we got to take a quick break. And when we get back, I, I want to learn a little bit more about how you're taking that training and implementing it into your business. And we're back from break. We're talking to John S. Rennie, author and uh, speaker on leadership. And before we went to break, we, we were talking a little bit about all the training you guys did on the submarine to kind of prepare for uh, any incidences that happen, any disasters, potential disasters that could happen. And I'm just curious, how did you take that philosophy of training all the time did you bring that into your business that you're running now? Yeah, so that's interesting that you you bring it up. So how do you bring that kind of mentality, that training mentality into a business, right? I mean, you know, here here's what it comes down to. You know, a lot of times we hire people and we just assume through osmosis that they're going to figure out what the, the mission is and what their role in that mission is, right? So we just assume, oh, I hired a marketing guy. Your job is market. Right. <laughs> so, you know, or I hired a sales guy, go sell. Right? Go sell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think probably one of the biggest things that we do um, at this company is that we we connect every day um, and we we make sure that we every day we we have a stand up meeting and we, we discuss what has to happen in that day. So what trucks are coming in, what trucks are going out, what products have to be built. Um, what customer issues are, are out there that we're facing? What um, uh, maybe what uh, supplier needs to get paid, or what collections have to come in that day, or what have you? So we do this every day. We have stand-up meeting every day, and then we go through the production schedule. But it's a very quick thing. It's fifteen minutes, fifteen to twenty minutes, and it's almost like a 
like a football huddle where we say, all right, this is what's got to get done today, everybody. And and the other thing I like about that stand-up meeting is that I look everybody in the eye every morning and I get to see where everybody's at, um, you know, uh, emotionally, physically, right? Are they, do they look down? Do they look depressed? Are they anxious to go? Are they got a smile on their face? Are they, you know, so it's, it's a great way. And also tells me who's here and who's not here, right? It's this quick little thing, right? But I think those meetings, and one of the things I reinforce in the meeting is what our, what our vision is. Uh, it's something I really believe in is that, that a, a company's vision should be, should be kind of boiled down to four or five words that you can repeat on a regular basis and, and that you can bring it up on just different subjects. So for us, in case we say we're a different kind of supplier, and what that means is that we we know what the big guys do in our industry. And so we want to be kind of opposite of the big guys. So when they're slow, we're fast. When they're difficult, we're easy, right? So when we're when they're high price, we're low price. So we, we're looking to be different all the time. And so so we might have an issue that comes up in that morning meeting that says, oh, we've got this uh, customer who wants to return a bunch of the product. You order the wrong stuff, right? And what do, it's like we have a quick discussion. Then someone will say, hey, we're a different kind of supplier. We don't, we don't ask questions. Just bring it back. And, and you're like, so you're reinforcing that vision in those meetings. So it's a little bit less of like training for skills but more about aligning for the vision of the, of the business and a daily connection to make sure that we're all still connected and we're all still rowing in the same direction, you know, and I think that's probably what we do. It's a little less of the drills, but a little bit more of the connection and the, and the uh, attachment to the vision of the company. Yeah. And that's so important too, just to get a feel on a regular basis. Cause then you do see those differences in their personality or you see when they're having a problem or when they're not understanding something or it helps when you're communicating a project to them if you're just seeing them yeah. on a daily basis and, and kind of learning from them. I have, a, I have a question for both of you. Sorry to jump in, Russ. <laughs> but, you know, with with everybody kind of going to distributed workforces mm-hmm. and it's it's a little more challenging to have those in-person meetings like that that you're referring to, John, I think it's a fantastic opportunity if you if you are in person to do those stand-up 15-minute meetings. But when you're doing a distributed company, which a lot of companies are right now, what would you suggest to kind of accomplish that that same goal that you're accomplishing, John, with the in-person? I just want to throw it out to both of you. Yeah, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, COVID sort of uh, changed the rules a little bit for us in, in a good in a good way, in a way, because now we, we kind of... Um, we have we have these tools, you know, like Zoom and what have you, where we're now. That's kind of part of our life now. So, even you can you can there's there's no reason you can't do a 15 minute stand up meeting with a distributed team too. And maybe it's a little challenging if you're on different time zones, but maybe you find a you know a slice a sliver in the day where most people are working, and you you set up that that connection point. I think uh, I think it's still just as important. So, for example. I ran before I left corporate. I was 22 years in corporate America. I ran eight different manufacturing plants. But in one point, I was running two teams, one in the U.S. and one in Mexico. And we would still have a, a stand-up meeting between my team in Mexico and the team in the U.S. And we would do, we, we would do it over Zoom. It was really quick. We actually had two conference uh, tables. And so it was kind of like one big conference table, just half in Mexico, half in that. <laughs> and we would just have like the quick, Hey everybody, this is what, what's going on today. And so we would do just that. And, uh, you know, it's a little, it's a little harder. Maybe we have like 20 zoom screens or what have you, but, um, but I think you can still do it. And the other thing is 
I kind of interesting now that we're we have Zoom, we're we're invited into people's homes. It's a little more personal now, where it never was before. You're you're at work and you're buttoned down and what have you. Now you're you're in somebody's uh, bedroom or you're in somebody's living room or or their office, and there's kids running in and there's dogs coming. And I think it helps helps us to maybe even uh, connect with people even more. So. I think there's an element to that that's actually a good thing. Yeah, I I, I would actually say the same thing. I mean, I I'm enjoying this. I I like that, and, and the exact same thing that, that you just said is what I was going to say. Is like we're in their houses with them. It's it's so yeah. much easier to have that that personal relationship because, and uh, you're seeing them in their own environment. Plus, also, I feel like I'm actually seeing my coworkers more now than I was yeah. in the office because many times. People would go in, they'd close their office door. I'd see them maybe during, you know, break or whatever, you know. And so I, I see all my coworkers, the, the people that are not on my team. I see them more now because they just jump on a Zoom. Everybody knows my Zoom ID. They jump on there and I get a little email and, oh, somebody, you know, this person's in there. Let me go jump in and see what's going on. And it works out fantastic, actually, I, I think. I, I, so I think this has actually helped more than hurt. Yeah, I think so too. And and you almost get to see kind of the real person now because mm-hmm. then yeah. they're a little more comfortable at home. You kind of, you know, like yeah. you said, John, like instead of them being buttoned up at, at the office, they're kind of wearing whatever they're wearing. They're a little, you know, they let their hair down. They're a little more comfortable in their own yeah. home. You get to meet their dogs. Russ knows my dog very well because he comes on the <laughs> podcast, whether I like it or not. <laughs> I've, I've edited that dog many times. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost like you actually get to know them on a different level now yeah. uh, that they're working in a distributed you know, situation. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, you know, John, one of the things that I wanted to get into too is, is kind of like celebrating success and, you know, mm. being, uh, you know, doing great things together, <laughs> you know, big things together, kind of building the team that way. Because I think that's a, another big, huge aspect for leadership. We're going to do that. We'll take a short break here. And when we come back, we'll talk more with John. And welcome back to DIY for Business. Today, we are talking leadership. And, you know, John, I, I was I was thinking, at, at, you know, as you were talking, it's like, okay, well, um, we talked about kind of this distributed workforce. Well, one thing that we are missing out on is like those celeb- celebratory donuts, which was my favorite thing of being in the <laughs> office, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we can't share those together anymore. You know, so uh, that's one way, of course, of celebrating. Uh, donuts are always a way, great way to celebrate. But what are some of the ways that, you know, y- you can celebrate with teams or, or what should we be doing? How much kind of celebrating should we be doing with our team? Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting question. It's one that I have a, had a problem with over the years. So I had a, a somebody work for me for in actually several different companies, and uh, we, we always did these great things together. And he said, you know, John, I you know, a little constructive criticism. He said, whenever we get to the end of a project, you just like you just pivot to the next project. You're like, great, we did it. And, and I run off to the next project. And I said, so you never take the time to celebrate and relax a little bit. And and that's been something that I've been trying to work on more in my uh, leadership journey, which is to 
to actually take a breather, to celebrate the, you know, and, and, um, and, and really just enjoy the moment when you do achieve something big and something significant, right? Instead of jumping on the next, because as leaders, we're just like, we're never happy. We want to keep All moving. Right. We want to, you know, this is great, <laughs> next, but, next, this right. great milestone, but let's go to the next one, right? And I'm, <laughs> and I'm guilty of that. So, um, but let me just give you one story about how we celebrated one time. I, um, we were having an all-employee meeting. This was a factory I was running, one of the last factories I ran. And uh, we we're having an all-employee meeting, and uh, we were really getting close to a million hours without a lost time accident. And you know, I was excited, and I was encouraging the employees. And this was about 250 employees at this facility, and I just got so excited and energized. And it was like it was springtime, and and I'm I'm from New England, and my brain was thinking about like spring and summer. And I used to love summers in New England. My brain went right to we used to do all lobster bakes, and we you know I oh. love lobster and. So I said, you know, guys, if we can get to a million hours, I lost time accident. I said, I'm going to I'm going to fly lobsters in from Maine. We're going to have a caterer. We're going to have steaks. We're going to have a big party. We'll have tents out on the front lawn. And and uh, and then I went sat down after I was done after the only employee meeting. And my HR manager said, what? <laughs> what <are you> doing? <laughs> I said, I said, well, it's a big deal, right? We need to celebrate. And, and sure enough, uh, it, it took a while, but it was like six months later. We ended up hitting a million hours without a lost time at this first time that site's ever done. It's a big, it's a big deal. And we just had a huge party. I flew in lobsters and uh, we had caterer, just exactly how I described it. We did it, you know, and had that big celebration, t-shirts for everybody. But anyway, it was just a really good time as a, as a workforce. We almost became like a family mm-hmm. because of that challenge. And then when we did it and like everybody always talked about that afterwards, like, you remember that time we had that giant lop, we called it lobster fest. And we're like, yeah, oh, man. how crazy was that? And how much fun right. was that? And, and we need to do more of that because that, those are those memories, those common experiences that we share that build us up as a family, as a team. And uh, yeah, I think celebrating is really, really important. And um, yeah, I need to do it more. And when I do do it and we have those big events, it's like we always remember those, how, oh, yeah. how, how much they help us. You yeah. Know? Well, after that story, John, I, the, my next question is, are you hiring? <laughs> that lobster thing sounds amazing. I actually so are you hiring my, a caterer? Maybe it, I should go into caterer. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> that, that, that's so where the real money is. My, my current employees, if they're hearing this, they're like, "Where's our lobster?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "I'm an entrepreneur now, so we'll have like hot dog fest yeah, right, or something." Right. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I, I totally agree with that whole celebration of, of wins, and and you know, you had a very large celebration, and it was a, it was a big goal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I also think it's important that, you know, you celebrate the little wins along the way as well. And yeah. you don't have to do the big lobster to steak and everything, but, you know, just pick little goals. And, you know, and if you can as individuals or as departments can hit those little little wins, celebrate those because, mm-hmm. yeah, you just you know, you got to keep it moving forward. You got to keep the right mentality. You got to keep that goal oriented mentality that. I think it's, it's really uh, helpful for, for companies to you know, keep yeah. succeeding. Yeah. The other thing, too, I would say this is that treasured tokens are important. And, I, and what I mean by that is that if you ever walk around an employee's uh, office, of course, maybe we do less of that now. But if you're in a work, work environment and you walk to somebody's desk, you see these little treasured tokens of their career. Like, I don't know, they, they achieve some certification or they're a part of a team that did this or whatever. And they have something on their desk that's that's important to them. So a lot of times if we do accelerate a big win, I'll actually create like a little something that they can put on their desk. Like um, we, we celebrated our first year in our new company. I had uh, River Rocks, I don't know about that big. And, and I had 
put in our company logo and um and i i we had like the um it was like the first 10 employees were like the top 10, you know, or the first 10 and we put it on there, a rock. And we just, as a signification of they were the foundation we were building the company on. It's just, you were part of that first year. And so you were part of the rock, the foundation of this company and every, and every one of them was different. And I said, you know, each of you are different. You bring a different element to the company and it's like a treasure token. They keep on their desk. Everyone still has it. Part of the original team, they all have it on their desk still. And it's because they were part of that original group. And, and I said, only 10 of these rocks will be made and you're, they'll never happen again. So you're part of that original foundation of the company. So I think that's um, things like that. Treasure tokens are kind of something you do. And the other thing I would say is, you know, not just celebrate wins, but celebrate employees. And one of the ways I try to celebrate employees is like, for example, our break room, I keep it stocked always with different snacks and candies. And my wife likes to bake. I'm always bringing in baked goods and stuff. So there's always something in the break room that says, Hey, I love you guys. And here's, here's how I'm, I'm, I'm showing how I care, you know, and, and employees just laugh sometimes like you're getting us fat. I'm like, yep. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but it's just little things like that. Um, I think you, you, we, you celebrate the fact that you have this team that's doing these amazing things day by every day. So, yeah. Well, and you know, I think another thing too is, is, is right now as we're in this kind of zoom world, you know, I think just, you know, whether you're using Slack or whatever, some sort of public forum within the company, if you're praising somebody, if you're saying they did a great job when they, you know, when they do something, I think those kind of intangible things like are just, they, they're huge, you know, and, and yeah, really, I mean, yeah. both of your stories there, they're about something other than the item, you know, like even the, the lobster, it's about the memories that were created from that, you yeah, know, that, I mean, no, that, that's awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. And it was such a unique thing. Cause, and it was just, again, not too, I didn't think it through too much. I just sort of reacted <laughs> to like, Hey, let's do lobsters, you know, whatever. But, but I think, yeah, I think um, the memory was more important than the fact that we ate lobster, right? It, it, it was it was so unique and crazy that it was a good memory, right? And so the same thing, like those rocks were special and they were they meant something. And so I think, you know, um, what can we do to you know do, to do things that are meaningful? So, for example, celebrating. You're talking about like uh, thanking employees or ways to do it. One of the things I always like is handwritten letters to the home. I think that's a really good thing that we do. We can do as leaders that they, you know, an employee opens it up in front of their family and says, hey, man, I really appreciate what you done on that project. You killed it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you, you went beyond my expectations and I re- you're, you're, you're an important part of my team. Thank you. And then they're standing there next to their wife reading. It's like, hey, check this out. I just got this from my boss, right? And uh, their kids see it. And it's like, wow. So I think introducing something like that to the home, like a handwritten letter that goes to their house is something that can really boost their ego, boost their, like, wow, my boss really cares. I didn't even know he knew my name, you know, let alone wrote me a hand, let a handwritten letter to my house. So don't, you know, don't in a high tech world that we live in, don't forget about the low tech ways we can say, Hey, thanks. You know, it's a simple thing you can do to a handwritten letter to an employee is a great thing to do. There's a, a, a comment string here about a lot of what you're talking about. And I love it because I, I try to do this same sort of thing, but it, it, it sounds, you know, like, all of these things are from the heart, you know, it's not necessarily from yeah. the mind. It's the, it's the heart. And it's actually showing that you care and listening to these people and, you know, understanding who they are like that. Yeah. that is, yeah. It goes miles. It's like, I think what Greg said in the beginning, it's, it's like a relationship with your spouse, you know, or yeah. whoever, whomever <laughs> it is, you know, it, it, it you, you got to have and, that and sort I of think, thing. 
And the other thing that really comes across to me, John, is how authentic you are. I mean, you truly do care about your employees. Mm -hmm. You cared about your crew on the ship. Like, yeah. you know, like how you were saying, you knew the girlfriend's names, the ex-girlfriend's name, you knew everything about their lives. I bet you not all the officers had that same mm -hmm. type of relationship that you had with, with the, you know, with their team. So I think it's something special about you that you brought, um, you know, into the business world. I think it's really cool. And, you know, if you were trying just to manufacture that feeling amongst your team and, you know, just by giving them yeah. cookies and stuff like that, I don't think it would come across nearly as effectively as because you truly do care about them. You want to get them fat. <laughs> right, right, right. right. No, it's, it's very, it's very true. I think, I think you're right. It's genuine. I do care. And, and um, I think that, um, you know, I, I really do think maybe it's, maybe it's cause maybe I come from a, a, a blue collar background. My, you know, my grandparents, parents, just really a blue collar background. So I may, maybe I really associate with people that are, in the trenches working hard and they, and I always felt like they need, they deserve to have a good boss. And, and, uh, and I want to be that, that good boss for them, right? Someone that does appreciate the, the efforts that they put in. And, um, so I think part of it is just trying, just recognize that, um, it's about the mission, right? As leaders, it's about the mission and the people, not just the mission. And so sometimes we forget it's about the mission and the people. And I think that's something that's always been in the back of my mind. And let me say, you know, you hear this conversation from me that I'm, you know, I care and, you know, and all this sort of thing. You would think I'm kind of a soft individual with regards to my skill sets. I'm, I'm an engineer. Like I, I am my certified <laughs> nuclear engineer. I'm a mechanical engineer. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, degrees in manufacturing engineering. I am a, I'm a tech guy, but the thing is like, I do believe that people are really important to our business. And so I'm not necessarily, uh, I, I'm very much a science and, and math and engineer well, guy, but I also understand that it's people that gets the, gets these things done. Well, on that note, I, I got I got one last question for you because in in your book, you know, all in the same boat, lead your organization like a nuclear submarine. You you would you bring up a term, and I want you to kind of go into this a little bit. Explain to me what a no escape mindset is. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's this idea that um, yeah, to to to. to so I think in the, I think in, in business, sometimes we think we can ignore people or we can get away, you know, get away from people. Or if we have a bad employee, we can we can get rid of them or what have you. But no escape mindset is just the idea of of like working it out amongst the team that you have. So work out your differences, uh, find those win wins. So if you've got someone, someone, someone you're in conflict with, there's no escape from that. You need to address that with that employee or with that peer or with that. Uh, you know, in our case, like I was a, I was a uh, general manager in, in business and I had rival general managers that were always trying to, you know, steal my people or, or, or take, you know, my profit. And so, so it was like, okay, how do I work with these rivals that I have inside the organization? So mm -hmm. no escape mindset is, is that don't try to uh, avoid the conflict, go after it, resolve it, work it out. And um, you're better off for it instead of trying to uh, run away from it is to actually embrace it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> we could, we, that could be an, an entire other episode of the podcast. Am I right? <laughs> you know, like yeah. just I embracing those, uh, like, you know, I, I've had uh, people that I've worked with in the past that very like, you know, it's, it, they're a, a difficult person to work with. I, if I 
dedicate myself to actually working with them, they can become probably the best person on the team, you know, just because I am, I'm, I'm learning about them, helping them to, you know, through that situation, I always look at it as, yes, I'm helping myself, but I'm also helping them and whatever they're going to do next in their career. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, in the, in the book, I tell the story of a peer that, uh, he was this, this tough old, you know, general manager that everybody was afraid of. And, I was in conflict with him and I was like, oh, great. I got to, I got to address it with this guy. It's going to be <laughs> terrible. And and by the end, I tell it in this chapter, by the end of that time, we became our, we became best friends. So we were, you know, we, we consider ourselves, every general manager would consider ourselves sharks. And we became a team of sharks after that. We worked out our issue and then we became friends. We turned out we had more in common than we had a difference. And we became a team after that. And we always watched out for each other after that. But it was because I worked this difference out with this person, we actually became friends. And, uh, and so uh, it's a great, it's a great example. If you, if you attack problems head on, instead of ignoring them, you're more likely to get better outcomes. I think that is words to live by, not only in business, but in life. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I really appreciated your time with us, John. This was like the quickest show I think I, I remember doing just because it, it, was, it was so much fun yeah. and so interesting. Uh, I, I would love to um, hopefully have you on a, another time because I think there's so much more that we can dive into on the leadership topic. Yeah, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it's, it, there's a lot of stuff and uh, to, to boil into with leadership. And uh, like I said, like you said, we just scratched the surface. And John, if, if uh, those listening want to, you've got a podcast, they, they probably want to check out your books. Where can they go for, for more information on your book and your podcast? Yeah, everything is on my website, johnsrenny.com. And there you can find, uh, I've got two books uh, on there that you can find. And I do uh, lead a podcast called Deep Leadership. And I run another podcast called the X Factor Podcast with another uh, colleague, John Brubaker. So a couple of podcasts I run and I got a couple of books out there, but everything you can find on the website, johnsrenny.com. Awesome. And we'll put a link to that in the podcast description. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks a lot, John. And thank you for listening and subscribing and reviewing DIY for Business, a part of the Electrocast network of podcasts. The purpose of this podcast is to help your business grow. However, all of the information provided is opinion-based, and you may want to consult a professional to discuss your exact business situation. We want your company to succeed, and we're happy to take your questions. Let us know your questions by sending us a direct message on Twitter. There is a link in the podcast description. Also, you can visit our new website website at diyforbusinesspodcast.com. Fill out a little form there. Let us know what you'd like to hear on a future episodes, or hey, maybe you want to be a featured business owner on a future episode. We'd love to talk to you. So check out our website, diyforbusinesspodcast.com. Again, we thank you for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business, where you are not alone. Yes.